0: Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like a chicken, crazy if provoked. Today on the show, I want to talk about holistic cognition. There is this idea that I've kind of been working through on my own, but I'm pretty sure other introverted thinkers, INTPs, um, people who are introverted thinking types, or people who are trying to think outside of the norm of reality, (laughs) outside of the norm of... Of spirituality, or people who have not really uh, adapted a religion or spirituality, and are trying to come up with their own way of looking at the world. I kind of just want to share both my personal experience with religion and spirituality, my limiting beliefs leading up to this point, and how I'm 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 finally able to take some of the time and the room to think about my own version of being a little bit more holistic, but it's still tied in the realm of of cognition and and thinking but i also want to relate it to coding a little bit so it's kind of interesting um i, uh, I hope i can make it interesting either way let's hit the button do the thing and let's hope for the best Drums, please. All right, so welcome to the show. I hope you're doing well. I hope everything's good for you. Um, today on the show, I'm talking about holistic cognition. This is sort of a term that I literally just came up with this morning, but it sort of reflects the way that I have been thinking and do think about spirituality and the way that I approach the world. Uh, Because I've I've had a difficult time with religion in my life. Ever since I was six years old, I've always been a person that questions everything. And a person that questions everything in the world is bound to run into issues. (laughs) I don't know if you could feel my smile when I'm saying that. But ever since I was a little kid, I've been sort of faced with people trying to sort of tell me how the world is or what things are. And usually my reaction is why, (laughs) what does that mean? What are you talking? What? I don't get it. Uh, and usually I don't get it because I need a lot of details and exploration, but what a lot of people try to do when they hand you a, uh, an idea of spirituality or religion or some way of thinking is that they kind of hand you the short code of their perception of it. And, If you're someone that needs a longer string of information, which is me, I'm not going to immediately adopt it and say like, oh, okay, that's going to help me. Great. Let me take it and do something with it. That's just not how my brain works. So I wasn't able to just take whatever anyone told me and instantly believe it. Um, You're going to hear my air conditioner because it's too cold and it's too hot in here. (laughs) But um, I'm, I'm sitting in the car, by the way. Uh, So I've had a lot of people from a young age come to me and try to tell me basically what to think. And I've always been concerned with how to think and trying to learn uh, the specifics of something and to determine if it makes sense to me, for me. And I've obviously ran into problems because of that. My... Uh, my parents were always very open to me as a person. My dad was a little bit more focused on creating a sense of harmony, and he didn't want me to stick out in a negative way. So he was you know, concerned with making sure that I understood the uh, positives of, of, of learning a religion. My parents were basically, to kind of give a little bit more context, my parents were kind of going through a newfound phase around the time I was born. Literally, my name is Christian Adam Rivera. So that'll give you, which is super ironic that they, they birthed a kid that is like a question everything type of kid. I, like I love it. Like my name and who I am is like the perfect irony that I like. I love so much. <laughs> um, so ever since I was a kid, my parents are kind of learning things, and as they're learning things, they're trying to pass on those things to their kids, which at the time is me. Um, but me being a resistant kid is you know, frustrating to them. My dad and I had a lot of uh, fights back and forth because of not only just religion, but he would often ask me to do things around the house or ask me to just do stuff and just follow orders. And literally I would use the term why all the time. And, and this is beyond just being a two-year-old because that is um, typically seen as like something that a two-year-old does. Why? why is this like this? Why is that? <laughs> um, but I feel like I've done that my entire life. So even as a teenager, I would, I would get a lot of requests to do things or to think a certain way. And my response would always be like, why? Why, why does that matter? Um, why do you want me to do this? What, what what's purpose does this serve? Um, what does this actually mean? Why is this person saying this or thinking this? Like What, what, what is going on? And, um, I-, I was always very comfortable asking questions for me because I'm, I'm trying to determine what works for me. And I think a lot of society isn't really used to people doing that. Uh, there are plenty of us out there. I'm not saying I'm the only person that asks questions, but uh, you know, society's not used to that. If you go by the Myers-Briggs systems system, 75% of the people in the world are sensors, which are most likely people that just kind of go along with society and the patterns that they see in the world and, and Using an external foundation or their own internal foundation, which is often steeped in religion itself as well, or steeped in, you know, uh, uh, American values. They take those things and run with them. Whereas intuitives are typically questioning everything a lot of the time. And for intuitive thinking, perceiving types, which is me introverted, uh, INTP, you know, we're constantly asking questions and looking at the unconscious patterns that we see in the world and forming our own opinions on things so naturally like i've been saying it creates this rub against society now i think both of my i think my dad is an intuitive type my mom might be a sensing type but not in a way that is like you know my mom is 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 a healthy um a healthy sensing type and i think a lot of sensing types are healthy but you know it's just easier for sensing types to live within that world of safety. Um, because asking questions like that is very stressful. Sticking out is very stressful. You know, you want to stick within the tribe as it were and not, um, not stand out in any kind of negative way. But because I'm an introverted thinking, um, perceiving type, you know, that rubs up against values. I've had fights with my mom. I've had fights with my dad, mostly fights with my dad. Um, was just very was very concerned with keeping me in the st- in the sort of field of vision when it comes to what their growth path path was. So they didn't quite understand my type of thinking, and that led me to start to develop a very unhealthy perspective of religion as a whole, because particularly at a young age, like I'm not very well developed, I'm immature, and typically thinking about how my line of thinking is like the only one that makes sense because obviously it's the only one that makes sense to me. So I can't understand why the rest of the world aren't, isn't doing the same thing. Like it's hard. It was hard for me to realize even until recently, honestly, that other people think differently from a hardwiring perspective, that it isn't possible for everyone to think the same way, which is like, mind-blowing to me. <laughs> um, because I, I I used to think that when I was a kid that people are simply just going along because they're scared or uncomfortable or weak or something like that. And that was the big common theme for me when it came to people who just kind of succumbed to religion. I would, I would hear words like worship and sacrifice and submission. And those are massively off-putting words to me and those are things that are typically associated with religion and a lot of the American way of life so for me that I was already naturally very resistant to that because it it questioned and it actually attacked my individuality which was important to me but my individuality would attack their need for structure and for some sort of foundation that would allow them to move forward in a healthy way for them. So naturally, again, it creates this rub because of those reasons. So, um, my perspective on religion was that those who succumbed to religion were weak. They were not smart enough to come up with their own sense of the world. And I was also dealing with, um, my mood disorder and trying to figure out what was going on with me in terms of, you know, manic depression or ADHD or whatever it is that I'm dealing with, um, that I still don't have a clear answer for. Um, I was, I was trying to work through that and I was basically battling over and over again, suicidal tendencies and my own depression, but I was battling that without religion and often wishing that I could live within the realm of religion because a lot of people who were just comfortable, "Quote unquote," giving into that, were my perception is that they were leading happy lives. They weren't questioning everything, they weren't dealing with depression, and everything was going great. <laughs> so I was like, uh, uh, I, I kind of had to, as a defense mechanism, look inward and say, "You know what? I'm dealing with all this stuff. I'm dealing with all of this resistance. I'm definitely an outsider here, being both an being an introvert, intuitive, thinking, perceiving type." Uh, against what feels like the world and I'm still alive dealing with depression, dealing with suicidal thoughts, dealing with all these things that are going on in my life. So naturally me feeling that I'm still alive, being strong makes me feel like those who are just giving in are weak. I mean, that was my perception. I I don't feel that way anymore. And I'm going to lead up to today um, as I get to that point. So there were times in my life where, um, (laughs) strangely enough, in high school, so I went to public school for most of my life until high school, and my parents put me into a Catholic high school, which is the equivalent of my nightmare, and it was a time where I was basically forced to be face-to-face with everything I hated and thought about, and... Which is interesting because it's not something that I thought about every single day, but it's something that I was actively trying to avoid. And here my parents go and say, Here, face all of your every fear. <laughs> and, and that wasn't their intention. I was in the Philadelphia school system, and they this was around the time of Columbine, and you know, school shootings were being more publicly uh, noticed, and Philadelphia schools were putting metal detectors in their schools, and didn't have a sense of security. Um, but it, it was starting to feel more and more like prison. Like I took Molly to Philly and showed her the schools that I went to and they looked like prison yards and she was like shocked. And I was like, really, this isn't normal? <laughs> Even to this day, I'm like, wait, this isn't normal? I see the occasional like really nice high school. And I'm like, that is a really nice high school. They must have a lot of money. Because, uh, you know, my perception of, of school was like going to prison. And it, 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 so I hated school uh, all the way through. Uh, but anyway, going to... they That's the reason they put me into Catholic high school was more so for security and safety reasons. My brother went to a public high school and, you know, there was a knife in a, in a kid's locker and my brother got into a lot of fights. My brother is definitely an extroverted sensing type though and he's more likely to get into fights. Uh, that's just who he is as a person. So... Um, I think my parents were undervaluing or not able to really see what type of person I was, or maybe because I'm an introverted thinking, intuitive perceiving type that that comes off as weakness. And for me, I kind of look meek on the surface, but I'm very much a don't mistake my kindness for weakness kind of person. But I can understand that as a teenager, my parents would look at me as like, he spends a lot of time inside. He's not you know, a very, very extremely social person, he's going to get eaten alive in public school. So I understand that. That wasn't the case at all. I I very much have stood up for myself, which is a testament to my parents being people that just don't, don't tolerate bullshit. Um, but my, so when I went into Catholic school, basically my parents were very concerned with making sure that I was just safe. They weren't thinking about the religious component. They weren't thinking that it was going to be a bad thing for me. They were just thought that like, Hey, maybe I would adopt some religiosity. Maybe I wouldn't. And, but either way I was safe. So I've, I've kind of been working through that forgiveness lately. Um, for me, because I've harbored a lot of resentment towards my parents for putting me into a Catholic high school. Um, because I went in there and it was just a nightmare. It was, I was just constantly faced with things that people were just doing because that's what they were told to do and it felt safe and comfortable for them. And I questioned everything. I stuck out like a sore thumb and it made me very uncomfortable. Um, But it, it allowed for a lot of growth in terms of asking a lot of questions and really kind of tested my individuality personally because it was, there were a lot of, there were a lot of, I wouldn't say temptations, but a lot of, uh, suggestions to kind of just give into the, the status quo as it were. And that wasn't important for me to do that. What was important for me was to continue to develop my individuality and my, um, perspectives on life. Um, so with that, I, I just started to resist as much as I could while still also, you know, passing classes, but around the time that, um, so uh, actually real quick before I move forward. So like they would do things like Ash Wednesday, you would go into like the auditorium and they would do the whole ashes on the forehead thing. And that was like the weirdest day of the year for me. I'm like, why is this normal? You look like you have targets on your head. (laughs) Um, and then just like the, all the ideas of sacrifice and um, it was maddening. It was just like, why is, why is no one thinking for themselves, This doesn't feel like anyone is thinking for themselves. And I didn't come across any person that was like me. I had a few friends and people who like tolerated me or people who were like cool with me because we, I don't know, because we shared commonalities with like Dragon Ball Z or we liked doing video stuff. But whenever it came to the perceptions of religion, I was just, nobody shared that with me and I was totally isolated. So, Naturally, a lot of my experiences with religion, including my, uh, my, my high school experience, especially my high school experience, painted religion in a bad light for me. It never helped me. And it, it really hurt me with my, my first major relationship, I'd say my second, I guess, um, with someone that I grew up with, and she was very near and dear to me. But she was absolutely a sensing type. She was someone that spent uh, a lot of her youth, um, you know, being a Catholic and was raised that way and wanted to keep those values and those values were working for her. Um, but again, that was something that butted, we butted heads on, and especially as we started to get into our relationship and planning the future. It, it became a problem. So all of this is kind of leading up to today where I've been basically spending a lot of my time thinking about how religion has affected my life and how now that I have the room to explore that, because I'm with Molly, who's a fantastic person, and she's like so forgiving of every thought that I have. And I wouldn't say forgiving, but like just supportive, you know, she's, she listens to everything that I, that I have to say and and offers insight. And she's also had a very healthy religious perspective um, growing up, even though she's dealing with a fallout of a lot of those things because of her divorce. It's a lot of stuff that she still had a healthy, there's a lot of healthy things there for her that she wants to hold on to. So, you know, for that, for me, I, I, I've had a hard time understanding that. So, uh, coming to this place where I can talk to her about it and learn about the positives that other people have experienced has given me a little bit more of an understanding of why some people would adopt it without really even thinking about it and how different, you know, religious perspectives can happen. You know, there's difference between like Lutheran and Catholic and, and evangelical Christian and regular Christian or whatever. I don't, I don't know all the differences, but, um, but there, there seem to be some types or some people, you know, and again, it's individual as well. And that's where like my understanding of the individuality of it kind of helps is that people are, you know, using it in the ways that work for them and not necessarily just following the status quo. So that helps me kind of create a little bit of a forgiveness for it. And over time, I also started to understand why a lot of people would use religion in their lives, because we deal with a lot of very difficult things and not everyone can handle the depth of darkness that some people can go into. Um, You know, some again from the Myers-Briggs system, a lot of introverted feeling types can go into the deep depths of stuff without having to hurt themselves Uh, for me because of my depression and all the things that I've dealt with in my life. I have gone to those dark places and I'm very comfortable having to go back there and come back out, whereas some people have not had reasons to go there regularly It's kind of like Batman going into the night, like he's good at it because he just keeps doing it. Whereas if you're not someone that does that, you're going to stumble and fall and get your ass kicked the first time that you do it. So a lot of the times people are forced into it. You know, they lose a loved one or they go through a divorce or they go through something very heavy in their lives, a major change that not only calls into question their religiosity, but their core values, their sense of who they are and just you know, forced to change your life because this person may not exist anymore or is just not going to be around or, you know, you, you lost a child or something like, you know, heavy shit and you don't have training for how to deal with that. So I understand that people turn to religion as a place of comfort. That's what makes the most sense for me, especially understanding the depth of, you know, the difficulties of reality You know, why do little kids die? You know, that's stuff that is hard to wrap your head around. And if you're not someone who just looks at, you know, the world as a place that is kind of like fair in its unfairness, you're going to have to find some sort of comfort in, dare I say, some of the cognitive dissonance that comes with religion. Um... Or, you know, the comfort that comes with religion is really what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to discredit anything. Um, So all of this kind of leads to where does my sense of spirituality come in at this point? And for me, it's been about that cognitive understanding. And you can hear that that's been the through line through all of this is the asking questions, is the seeing what everyone is doing and making my own internal judgments about what is going on in the world around me. So for me, you know, this holistic cognition is ways for me to start to write short code. If you're familiar with coding, and even if you're not, I'll I'll explain it briefly. Um, If you're writing lines of code, basically you're writing if then statements, you know, if this happened, then, then that happens triggers and actions. Basically you're able to identify uh, and write strings of code in, in a program that will tell, you know, buttons, what to do when you click them or where things should go on a page, things like that. And often, um, often engineers, software engineers will write short code to allow them to rewrite something, but in a shorter way. So basically you can take a long string of code, a complicated string of code that is all attached to like one single button or something. And instead of having to rewrite that entire string of code, you're making a condensed version of it and giving it a nickname basically. So you're saying like, you know, button number one and you write a short code, you write short code to identify that long string of code so that when you have to go back again, and write that piece of code. You don't have to write the entire string. You just write what is called a short code. So having the ability to talk through a lot of stuff on this podcast and talk through stuff with Molly has allowed me the ability to start to work through finally uh, the, the chance to, to create my own versions of short code. So when I say things like when, if I refer to in my everyday life, like, you know, energy or, um, I don't really have any other examples. Energy is a good example, though. Uh, when I refer to energy, meaning like my unconscious intuition, the patterns that I see in the world, the patterns that I see in someone's behavior, or the patterns that I see, you know, for example, the, the Myers Briggs stuff is a really good example of that because I see a lot of subconscious patterns in people and their behaviors. I've used this in poker as well. You start to learn people's tics and facial expressions and things that they do, and start to unconsciously or subconsciously rather connect the dots between one person, what someone is doing, and the likelihood of what personality type they are. So for me, that subconscious process that is going on, that understanding all of the little facial tics, all of the little short things is what I refer to as the energy or the essence that I get from someone. So if I am meeting one of Molly's friends for the first time and they come to me and start talking about something and the way that they speak, how they talk, how fast they talk, how comfortable they are in like an outward uh, extrovert situation versus private. Um, you know, all of those little clues will start to happen very quickly in my brain and it'll almost feel like magic. But for me, I know that it's cognitive. I know that there's a lot going on. And basically my brain is writing the short code and saying, Oh, this person is likely to be an ENTJ because of this type of behavior. Or because of this, the way that they phrase things. Or the way that they uh, make quick judgments versus you know perceiving type that is likely going to listen a little bit more. So things like that. So... Basically, what I've started to adopt as my religion or my spirituality is my cognitive functioning. My introverted thinking is my religion. I am my own God, <laughs> which is uh, um, I don't know, it's kind of funny in its way in its own way, but but as that's kind of the way I look at it. I mean, I look at the grandiosity of the universe and I look at the the all the connections between people and nature and the weather and the earth and the universe and how gravity all interconnects together and stuff like that. Like those thinking about those things, but in a scientific perspective is my religion. And it's not science in the sense that I know every single piece of information that is going on, but thinking about the concepts that go into it, the abstract thinking of reality and relativity and all of the things that, you know, Einstein kind of thought about before he had to put it on paper are are a lot of the things that I think about. Why does, you know, why does, why does gravity, you know, work the way it does? Like I think about that stuff all the time, um, but not necessarily in a way that I'm trying to find the specific answer to it, but understanding those concepts allows me to make connections to other aspects of reality. So it's kind of like, you know, if you watch The Matrix again, you'll understand that it's kind of like INTP the movie, <laughs> because it is it is like identifying the way that an INTP sees the world. We almost look at our inner world as the truth and the outer world as the matrix that we're going out into and trying to understand, you know, what is happening in it, so that we can go into our world and rewrite our own code to identify what is going on you know, within us and give us the path forward, essentially. So uh, another way to look at this holistic cognition that I'm talking about is the ones and zeros of the world. You know, I'm, just because I might make a decision that is based on some holistic terminology, I'm not necessarily ignoring the bits and bytes of everything that is going on It's just again me writing short code so that I can be more efficient with my energy and my usage of of wording and and um, concepts, basically. So that's how I approach it because I've been using a lot more. You know, Molly called this out to me recently that I'm using a lot more a holistic terminology and like woo-woo terminology, but it's because I'm with her. I'm understanding the way that she thinks. And it's allowing our conversations to have little bits of that short code in it. Now, I'm not ignoring the fact that not everything is going to connect, meaning I'm not going to use that short code as a shortcut to greater understanding between each other and between people that I talk to. Because the short code that I use, or the holistic energy that I put out into the world, is going to be very different for myself in different situations. It's going to be very different when I'm talking to Molly about something versus when I am meeting someone in public for the first time you know so it kind of contracts and expands in that way like I'm going to go and speak with with Molly about something I can use a lot more short code because she understands a lot of the ways that I think at this point and if I need to clarify I will but you know the only way that you can write short code is if you write the long form code first so I need to and and that applies to individuals. So, and it's not about the way that I approach necessarily the world. I could probably redefine things and come up with like a system that can help some people, but I'm not really concerned with that. It is really just about me and the way that I look at the world. So, I wanted to I wanted to do this episode because I I wanted to create a sense of empathy for introverted thinking types, especially young kids who are struggling in school because the way that they think doesn't match up to the way the system wants them to think. And they may, you know, daydream a little bit more. They may be thinking about abstract concepts. They may be asking a lot of questions and they may be butting up against the walls of, uh, of the boundaries of, you know, religion and what people expect of them. And all I ask, if you're a sensing type where you're someone who is very, very, um, very in tune with tradition and you want to pass on religion to your kids, things like that, I would ask to have a little bit of patience, allow, and, and, and don't discourage them from asking questions because, you know, they could very well get to the place you're trying to get, ask them to get to, but they need to do it on their terms. You know, it's like the best way that you can convince someone to do something for you is to let them figure it out on their own. Because it gives them a greater sense of conviction grace that gives them a greater sense of understanding the path forward because i i honestly believe that my version of this holistic cognition that i'm talking about with writing short code and seeing the ones and zeros of the world and understanding personality types and energies and things like that and i'm not talking about like reiki energies but i'm talking about the short code i was talking about where like you know the vibes that i get from people um it, it, it allows me to create a greater sense of empathy for those who adopt religion in a positive way and, and allows me to connect with them a little bit better. And we can connect in a way that we don't have to talk about Jesus or we don't have to talk about other aspects of religion, but we get each other because we're talking about the more abstract, greater things of the world that really allow us as people to move forward a little bit more. So I hope all of that makes sense because I sound a little bit... I feel like I sound a little bit crazy when I'm talking about it. But the best thing I'm trying to do is, is, is have it intelligently and logically make sense so that you can follow along. Not necessarily that you have to agree or adopt it, but I want, especially if you're someone who has their own religion, whether it's Christianity, Buddhism, um, Muslim, whatever it is that you're, you have in your life, there. I do honestly believe that there are overarching themes that connect everybody to religion and those things connect each other, connect, you know, everybody to each other. So the the things that I'm working towards personally is developing that way for me to calibrate to different people. It's not about me trying to change the world because that's not my goal, but it's about allowing me the room and allowing yourself the room within the framework of what you're working with. So if you're, if you're Catholic, if you're Muslim, again, you know, which are kind of opposing forces at this point, there are overlapping things that, that, that will kind of help you understand a little bit about each other. So what I'm basically offering is like, you know, to take a little bit of time to look at the core values of the intentionality of a certain religion Ignore, you know, media's perception of something, you know, don't just read one article and dismiss it. But I mean, like if you are interested in trying to get a more abstract understanding, you know, if you're if you're a person that is religious in the Christianity sense, can you speak about your religion without using the crutch of Jesus or like particular things within that religion? you know, without just reciting stuff, you know, reciting Psalms or reciting things that are, um, telling you how to think and be, but can you use those concepts within those teachings to make you a better person and make the world around you better? That's, that's kind of what I'm getting at when it comes to holistic cognition, because I feel like if we strip away a lot of the window dressing, I think we'll all come to a lot of the same conclusions and, you know, be a better, a better people as a result of that. So this was a long episode. I've got to get inside. I've got to go do things. Um, but you know, religion for me is a very, very heavy topic. It is something that I feel like I'm growing in and, you know, learning my own version of it because I don't worship anything other than myself. I don't worship a God. Uh, I don't have any of that, but it doesn't hurt me. And I don't have superstitions. I don't have a lot of fears in my life. And it's allowed me the path forward, you know, without the fear of being smited. You know, and I, th- I think, again, a lot of us agree that you shouldn't kill people. You shouldn't steal things. You shouldn't do a lot of things that are commonly seen as amoral. But no religion has individual claim over being a good person or a bad person. So that's it. That's everything. I could go on forever, so I'm going to stop. But um, I appreciate you guys coming along this ride with me. This has been one of my favorite episodes to talk about because it's it's very near and dear to me. And um, it's a very important topic, I feel. I think a religion ignites a lot of positive and negative in the world and in people. So I think it's important to continue to talk about it. It's important for people who have a healthy perspective on religion to spread the message in a way that can reach as many people as possible and isn't restricted by the specific guidelines of, you know, Jesus or Allah or whatever the specific things that you believe in are. So... Um, with that, I appreciate you guys listening. If you have any thoughts, comments, questions, or queries, please feel free to leave a voice message here on Anchor, or you can hit me up at Rival My Design on all the social channels. You can follow Dopamine Show on Twitter or Dopamine Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And we also have our podcast courses still up, cnote.thinkific.com. Be sure to go check that out. It's everything you need to know about starting a podcast from conception to execution. Just thinking about what you want your podcast to be, what kind of people you want to connect with, what's your mission, what are your goals, how do you want people to react to the podcast, what kind of guests do you want, sponsors, making money from it, things like that, and marketing it. And then you know, learning ways to personally develop as well because you have to learn how to speak comfortably and have less ums and ahs and not necessarily worry about the ums and ahs so much or learn about your particular method of organization so that you can be more likely to continue to make this podcast so cnote.thinkific.com be sure to check that out and uh, i hope you guys take care of yourselves and each other let me know what your thoughts are on this episode please i would love feedback and um, i'll talk to you guys later peace